crazy. Like, I was just thinking about Twilight the other day and was like, Edward or Jacob? And I was like, no, why Edward or Jacob? Like, why, like, two bad options? And then I'm like, no, this is just exactly a good metaphor for life. It's like, of course, of course, that's what we were raised on. Edward, someone who's like, if we have sex, you will die. Are you up for it? And Bella's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Yeah, sure thing. Sign me up. And then Jacob, who's like a paedophile, who will end up marrying Bella's daughter, who's like five. And this is just unacceptable but we're like ooh Edward or Jacob oh my gosh which one's like fitter and then how are we how are we equipped as young women to like go out into the world and find love welcome to your college aunts I'm Layla and I'm Daphne and we are your college aunts Welcome back to Your College Aunts. This is episode two of Lent Term and the theme is Breaking It Up and Locking It Down and I'm joined here by the lovely Fatima. Now, Fatima actually chose this theme, it was all her idea and we thought, you know, best to do it in time for Valentine's Day. So, kind of, what was your reason for suggesting this as a theme? I feel like we talk about love and relationships a lot but clearly not enough, maybe? Actually, I wrote varsity article on the science of love and breaking love down into molecules and electrical impulses and stuff and hormones and I don't know it was quite eye-opening actually and yeah I just think especially with the whole pandemic I think the normal situation of like dating breaking up talking to people meeting new people the dynamic is so messed up and I feel like people don't really talk about it enough like people like some of my friends going through a breakup it's it's kind of it's a lot it's a lot more tough because they don't have as much support they don't have their friends around them to stop them from like checking social media and then also like my friends who are getting into relationships they can't really actually spend time with their person properly other than going on socially distanced walks and I don't know I feel like times have changed so much in this very very important human fundamental thing that we all take part in to some degree and yeah I think love in lockdown is it's never gonna get old (laughs) um I completely agree and I think as Cambridge students because we're always so busy so stressed me and Xanthi spoke about this last time on the pod you know we always struggle with love and like yeah we have a lot of canvases on it we have crush bridge and yeah it seems like we're a bit obsessed but I feel like it's all symptomatic of a bit of a larger problem in the sense that we don't really know what we're doing we're all quite like intellectually smart we can get make our way through supos and like BS through an essay but you know when it comes to the actual human stuff and the more like more than a friend vibe I think we all get a bit overwhelmed um, which is perfectly legit so yeah I think it's a great theme especially in time for Valentine's Day (laughs) that's always a fun one (laughs) I actually do have plans for Valentine's Day um I know 
I know they're not they're not what you think. Every year, me and my best friend um do a thing do like an over the top Valentine's Day, and it's like every year so far it's been like very extremely over the top. So she'll always when we're both in Cambridge, she'll dress up in a suit, and then the first year she like brought me breakfast in bed, and had dressed up, I don't know. Like she was going to a ball or something, and then we had a breakfast karaoke dance party, which was crazy. And then in <laughs> in the oh my gosh, it's second year. Second year was a highlight. She wore a tux this time, stepped it up. Um, like woke, like knocked on me in the morning and told me to look outside my window. And outside, she'd she'd made these like signs like Taylor Swift you belong with me style and was just sort of holding them telling me what a great friend I was and then had again made me breakfast and it was like this big fruit salad and lotus biscuits and she'd like cooked corn sausages and fried eggs and had gone all out and I don't know crazy um <laughs> and then I don't know what's happening <laughs> I don't know what's happening exactly this year, but I'm sure, like, we will both do something that is kind of surprising to the other. Um, yes. Yeah. Break boundaries. Surprise each other. I love that. A bit of spontaneity to, like, keep things going. <laughs> no, I feel like, for me, I either will have, like, a Galentine's or I go down the line because obviously I do HSPS and there are some stereotypes about people who do HSPS. But, you know, this is the time when it's really great for me to just hate capitalism and be like, ugh, like Valentine's is just, you know, that I mean, the really basic one that they have in rom-coms, like that really basic notion of uh, like Valentine's is just to like sell cards and chocolates and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and not on that level, but like low key. And then just to be like, well, it's all a construct, haha, <laughs> it doesn't matter, it's a random day, but you know, I think it's a nice time even just to acknowledge people you love in general, because I don't think we do that well enough, um, like, enough, so, yeah. Oh no, I agree, I feel like this year especially, I've sort of just gone through this year just realising how much, I, and like, how grateful I am for like, the women in my life, like, I think, I don't, I don't know what I thought of them before. I'm sure I still thought they were great. But this year I've just been noticing that, I don't know, like, my, like, they're, they're so, like, they're just so strong. I'm so proud of them. I'm so inspired by them. I kind of look up to them and I'm like, whoa, like, they're just really lovely to me. And I'm not saying, like, my male friends aren't. Like, I'm sure they are. But I've just, I've just had this extra special, like, sort of, whoa, like, women are so cool. <laughs> and... I don't know. I think alongside that, I think this this year on Galentine's, I'm gonna like write all my like gals a letter and send it to them. I think to let them know how much they mean to me. That's such a good idea. Like something like a letter, because it's just not a thing anymore. And communication's so instant. I feel like if I got a letter, I'd just have a breakdown. I'd be like, ah! like wow, that's adorable. Sad though, because I think I'm gonna have to send it via email. And I don't know if a Hermes is as sweet as, like, a handwritten letter, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I might attach, like, a really cute gif or something, you know, to mix it up. 
<laughs> exciting stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's still something a bit different. It's still a bit spicy, like a bit like out there. Okay, so like before we dive into the questions, I've kind of just been thinking about you talking about the science and how you wrote an article on the science of love. And oh my God, I keep bringing this up and I, I'm not doing it on purpose, but um, I did recently get diagnosed with ADHD. So I did some reading about like dopamine receptors in the brain and stuff like that. And on stuff like the pandemic, I've generally been thinking about, you know, our reward systems. And I've read a lot of stuff on that because I do that instead of my degree for some reason. And I was just saying like how I feel like a lot of the time we'll stay in a bad relationship situation over leaving it because we'd like rather have that attention in that moment then have no attention for a little while and then get like more healthy productive attention so yeah what is the science because I don't actually know (laughs) (laughs) um so if we if we think of love and obviously it's a lot more complicated than their overlaps but as like three main things which is sexual attraction romantic attraction and attachment um for sexual attraction aka lust We have testosterone and oestrogen to thank for that. Uh, Testosterone is the main, the main player. But I think, um, so again, this is a really cool study, actually, that there was a study done on like married couples and married couples where the men, the men had lower levels of testosterone were actually more likely to not cheat on their wives. which is a legit study and and like women with higher testosterone levels were found on average to have a higher sex drive um too and then there's the romantic attraction aka the chase and that is (laughs) that is mostly to do with dopamine and this is kind of what you're talking about with reward pathways um this is super interesting actually because it's a very similar system to how drugs work so cocaine's going to be like increasing your dopamine and so effectively the chase is just sort of becoming addicted to someone and a really cool study actually um finds that dopamine levels are the highest when there's sort of anticipation and there's uncertainty which is why people like the chase so much because of the unsurety it's also why people stay in toxic relationships when there's like ups and downs because it's like will they change oh my gosh like can i change them and that's why people, the, the highs are high because dopamine is high at that time because of the uncertainty. Um, and then, of course, attachment, which is not just unique to love. It's also also friendships. Also, interestingly, childbirth. Um, that's where the oxytocin released is when um, mums are like attached to their babies. And again, during the attachment of long-term relationships, oxytocin levels are high and you become slowly attached to this person um it's what an interesting study uh, suggests um (laughs) so that a study was done on men in monogamous relationships and it found that oxytocin was the people with higher oxytocin were more likely to not look at other women (laughs) while in the relationship (laughs) and they were like they I think the study attributed oxytocin to being the reason the men were not looking at other attractive women (laughs) while in a monogamous relationship which is interesting um attachment is actually what stops people finding a more suitable partner (laughs) 
because they're just like they're attached now um this person might not be super super great for them but like they're attached so oxytocin is high so yeah they're, they're not gonna find a more suitable mate yeah no i've i've read some stuff like not going super into the science but just saying about how especially the way romantic love is marketed to us it is kind of this addictive thing and like yeah it's fun for a bit but the reason that you know people who continue along that kind of path of everything being about the chase into like really old age those people do actually tend to be not very happy because it is like a drug addiction and as much as it's like you have the highs you have the massive lows and I feel like in life well I'm about to get deep instead of aiming for like oh I'm gonna be happy you kind of actually just want to aim to overall be balanced like balance is where you're okay and then whereas actually constantly swinging um as a result of a turbulent toxic relationship for example or constantly just wanting the chase for that like dopamine hit I mean I feel like over time it's probably less effective anyway like with any drug oh wow sciencey there um but also it's just it's actually not rewarding long term because especially when you get away from it and you view it separate to those emotions and feelings that are involved I feel like you even forget the enjoyment of it because you're kind of left with the 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 aftermath (laughs) yes I feel like it's just it is just cool to think of it as a drug addiction because obviously that's very easy for us to recognize that that is not good and so being like I don't know the chase might feel good and continually being in the chase might feel good but at some point you reflect on it and you're like you know what I wish I hadn't wasted my time doing that like the dopamine hits probably weren't worth it I probably could have invested my time in self-love or finding someone to actually love um you know I think time may be better spent oh so true it makes me think of a hangover. Like, if you ever have a really bad hangover for people who do drink, like, I've had a few horrific ones. I can guarantee pretty much 99% of the time, this is something my mum always says to me, not exclusively about hangovers, but you sometimes have to ask your que- yourself the question, like, was it worth it or will this be worth it? Because I feel like sometimes we really do things for just, like, the wrong reasons or we just take things too far, perhaps, you know, drinking a bit too much one night and you wake up the next day absolutely written off dying and it's like, was that worth it? Probably not. And I feel like the same goes for that, like constantly just like wanting the chase and wanting that kind of excitement probably not gonna be worth it and that segue is really well into this question that we got I'm actually quite excited with that um segue I mean you shouldn't announce a segue should you though (laughs) um but someone sent in they said what do you do when you feel like the person you're dating is almost too nice if that makes sense or if that exists he's such a lovely guy but I feel a bit overwhelmed sometimes I don't feel like I want a bad guy or anything like that but I wish he was a bit more jokey or confident and less lovey and sappy Whew. Hmm. I I I get this I do I do truly get this um I think I don't know I think sometimes people who do seem too perfect can be a bit good to be true too good to be true um or at least in my experience it's what I found when like sometime a couple months down the line 
you're sort of like you see their flaws and you're like whoa (laughs) they hid this really well um so I kind of see it from that perspective but I guess that is not really what they were I'm so doom and gloom I'm like please tell me a good thing about your life and I will ruin it yikes (laughs) see you're saying that but I agree and I think we were actually talking about this a bit before we started recording the podcast, but this idea, and you see it a lot in TV shows. I mentioned this last week. I'm still watching Gilmore Girls. I'm nearly finished. That show has lots of relationships in it. And one thing I noticed was how often, if you do date someone who is like objectively really nice, objectively has all these great traits, if the relationship isn't quite working for you, you still feel pressured to be with them, which is like why sometimes people want to find a reason to break up, for example. But what you have to accept is that there's loads of great people out there. Like, not everyone's a demon. Not everyone's awful. But that doesn't mean that every nice person is right for you either. And we shouldn't shouldn't feel guilty about, like, not having that kind of energy with someone. Like, maybe this guy should really have just been your friend. Like, or should be your friend. I don't know how deep in this is. And I think a lot of the time, particularly, I think it's an experience a lot of women have, is that we feel like we should give the quote-unquote nice guy a chance. I'm not going to unpack that yet, that trope, because I do think that's super problematic anyway. But also, if you feel something's wrong, it's usually wrong. And at the end of the day, if you're... Beyond you thinking about what you're feeling and feeling like you're being selfish, being like, oh my God, but he's so nice, but why don't I like him? And beating yourself up over it. Remember that because you don't feel that energy there and you don't feel it's quite right, you're also probably not actually giving him what he wants either. And I feel like that's just quite, that's a basis for resentment and quite an unproductive thing, really. So don't feel bad. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like sometimes people are this super nice person and you feel like you owe them. You feel like because they're being so nice, you like owe them, you owe them a relationship, you owe them staying, you, I don't know, like I feel like a really, really, I'm not saying this person's manipulative at all, but a really, really good manipulator would be this super nice person because then you'd owe them so much, you know what I mean? Um... And I think if something feels wrong, like you said, it usually is. Um, And yeah, I also very much echo what you said about maybe this person should just be your friend. Um, But I I definitely see what this person means as well. And they're like, I wish this person wasn't so lovey-dovey and nice. But I do wonder if their love languages match, I guess. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And... I don't know, I also just think there is some, you kind of just want the other person to be a real person, you know, with like flaws and with strengths and weaknesses, but also like super great things and more to it than just like love and roses and happy things. I feel like we're like real life humans that are like raw and unperfected and unrefined and we're just looking to find another unrefined, non-perfect individual and then we're gonna like talk to and spend time with, you know? Like, I feel like sometimes when you feel like something's too perfect, it can almost make you feel uncomfortable because you compare yourself to that and you're like, that's not me. And I feel like that can make you doubt yourself. And I don't know, 
I don't know. <laughs> Self-doubt as a villain. No, um, one thing that came to mind as well, because obviously these are the problem with anonymous questions. I like start thinking, I'm like, where is this person coming from? And I don't know who this person is. I don't know what the situation is. They say that they don't want a bad guy or anything like that, but they want someone who has these traits of being jokey and a bit more confident. You know, fair enough, that might be your preference. But I often like to, like, quote random stuff that is seemingly so cringe and I'm pretty sure I quoted this before but literally in the perks of being a wallflower when they're like you accept the love you think you deserve like no here's the thing right yeah it's a little teen rom-com book but that statement is just actually facts like if if you have really low sense of self and low self-worth and someone shows you like the level of love that we all deserve like an affection and attention you will reject it because you don't think you're worthy. And if like you, th- if that's the case, then really you shouldn't be dating. You need to kind of try and address that balance or you're likely to get yourself in some quite toxic and really unproductive situations. But then, you know, on the other hand, I feel like give yourself a break as well. Like, stop. It seems like they're applying external standards to themselves. Like they're thinking like, if someone is really lovely, like you said, I owe them something and I need to do something for them. But no, no, you don't. And what what have you given yourself for being lovely? Like, are you giving yourself anything positive? Because actually, if you think you're a good person, you're lovely, you wouldn't put yourself through this turmoil. Like, you deserve more, you know? Yes. Uh, I just remembered this, like, thing that happened in sixth form. There was this girl who I was just sat with at break time once. And I remember, like, distinctively, she was supposed to be going on this date with this guy called Ben. And they were going to go to a museum. And we were, like, there was just a bunch of girls around the table being like, ooh, this is so exciting. And I just remember this conversation so clearly. I said to her, um, like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. Do you think he likes you? And she looked at me and was like, I don't think that matters. I think the more important thing is whether or not I end up liking him. And... Oh my gosh, that confidence, like, shook me. I was like, whoa, like, I don't know. I feel like that conversation changed my perspective of the whole thing. I was like, that is so true. Like, that is the self-confidence I aspire to have. Because I feel like at that age, especially, anytime anyone would show attention, you'd be like, oh, this is so great. Like, what if this never happens again? (laughs) I might as well, like, go and see where this follows. Um... Or, like, I want to talk to this person and, like, find out more or something. But it's, like, you don't even like this person. Like, you just, you're just scared it will never happen again. Um, and so, I don't know. I think in that moment, it is what you said, the love you ex- think you deserve. And also, just sort of being, like, do I actually want to be with this person? If, like, if it didn't matter whether or not they liked me or they were nice to me, do I do I want this? And I don't know. Sometimes we probably just don't. (laughs) Okay, so I feel like now we should move on to the next question, which is similar vibes, but not quite. Um, Because it's about a breakup, you know? Love a good breakup, (laughs) she says. I actually do. (laughs) I do. No, I actually do love a good breakup, though. No, like, I am being serious. I feel like I'm that friend that is just like when a breakup happens I'm like good this was the wrong thing it's good 
to be broken up because now you get to love yourself and you get to develop yourself and see what was wrong and come back stronger, a better person, ready to find the right thing and be the right person in the right thing. Because that was the wrong thing and it's ended. I don't know, that is such a celebration. Like, you ended a wrong thing. The wrong thing ended. That is that is a good thing. It's good that the wrong thing ended. I don't know. I do love a good breakup. <laughs> uh, in this week's column, I literally wrote, because I did the question that was about whether to break up or not and how, like, breaking up during lockdown seems peak. And I was like, bruh, I'm always the friend. I'm an advocate of the dump him movement. Just do it. Just do it. You're still young. Like, it's not like there are... There aren't kids involved. Like, you're not... It, it's not as deep as you think. Like, just do it. Okay, question. So, um, they said, broke up with my girlfriend at the start of Michaelmas. I handled it badly and I know I really hurt her. Regret it all and want to get back with her. So started messaging her this term. Suspend reaction. Suspend reaction. Suspend reaction. She said there's no point when I'm not in Cambridge and it's lockdown. What can I do to make it up to her? I think I may be losing someone really beautiful and special. I need many moments to digest and take all of this in. But, like, emotionally and also, yeah, wow, okay. Okay, so to recap, this person was dating someone, broke up with them in the beginning of Michaelmas, and then decided it was the wrong thing to have broken up. And then at the start of Lent term, has been messaging them wanting to get back together but then the girl has responded there's no point and now he's sad and he wants her back and he wants to know how he can get her back okay cool 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 that's a lot wow yes oh i have so many i have so many thoughts but i do i think long story short my i don't know if i have a long story short thoughts but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go with my thoughts and then hope they're short um, but they might be long, I'm not sure. Uh, okay, so I think from the point of view of me being a person who is like, okay, you want to get back together with her, I think giving her space is probably the best thing because if she at some point decides that she does want to get back together with you, then giving her space will allow her to do that. Whereas if you do keep messaging her, you're only going to push her away. Um, there is like some chance i guess that she decides that she does want to be with you and will message you and be like yes come back but i don't think that's going to happen if you keep messaging her or i don't know it's kind of like that whole you want what you can't have and if you make yourself available they're not going to want that if that makes sense so i say from that point of view yeah i know from that point of view just like you've made your intentions clear by saying that you want her she said there's no point i guess for now just give her space and work on yourself and be the best version of you you know like go go love yourself go and take up new hobbies activities go learn things and then like at some point maybe she'll want you and maybe at that point you won't want her anymore because you're a different person but you'll have improved and you'll be a better person for it you know so i think i think that's your plan i think i think give both of you some space grow as a person whatever will be with will be i feel like chasing her is not going to be the way to get her back it's a lot isn't it um initial reactions from me are 
I don't know, mate. I don't know. I want to know why you broke up with her. That's what I want to know. And I'm going to be mean because I think you've been really nice. So I'm I'm going to be, I'm going to do the like, yeah, I'm bad cop. Oh, I was going to be like, yeah, I'm devil's advocate. I'm here to like mess things up. No, here's the thing, right? I don't know why you broke up with her, but you broke up with her for a reason. And it's interesting that you only want her back now when there's like a lot of social isolation. Like it does kind of feel like perhaps, you know, like the reason you regret it is because you feel lonely and that like, like no, but it's it's true. Like, and like, here's the thing. Like she says, there's no point when you're not in Cambridge and it's lockdown. Yeah, she's kind of also right because clearly the, maybe your relationship was quite like a in-person spending time with each other thing. So what do you want? Like a virtual relationship with someone who you've already had like a real relationship with. It just seems a bit odd. And like beyond that, I just feel like some things you can't make up to people. Like if you really hurt her, like you're just going to have to accept you really hurt her and just kind of make peace with that and acknowledge it. And, you know, if you genuinely do want her back and you were wrong because, I don't know, you, whatever a stupid justification for breaking up with someone it is, like, you thought, I, I literally can't imagine what you did um, to her, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, like, just stop thinking you're going to, like, make it up to her. Like, it's happened. You can't change what you did. You can change what you do now. And, yeah you see that she's beautiful and special now that you've had the distance absence makes the heart grow fonder you want what you can't have but unfortunately sometimes you do things and they have consequences and those aren't the consequences we want and you've just got to accept it and maybe accept that if she's not she's set making these excuses of why she doesn't want to try again maybe she actually has now decided she doesn't want to and you've kind of just got to take that and leave like I'm so against pressuring people with things like these and like trying to convince them to like you and just like from us beyond that being like quite almost you're heading into manipulative territory when someone's like begging and being quite forceful and it's quite problematic beyond that just think about your own self-worth like do you are you really the kind of person who wants to have to beg for someone to be with you like I'm sorry that you had someone who wanted you and then you hurt them and now you realise you're wrong, but clearly she's maybe changed her mind and you just kind of have to deal with that because that's exactly what you did to her. She had to deal with it. And also, if you really do care about her, you'll take some time out to think about it and like reevaluate yourself because if you're only doing this because you're lonely and because like you want attention then actually you're messing with her even more and you're treating her actually really badly because you hurt her by breaking up with her and now you're giving her mixed signals and then who knows, when lockdown ends, will you still want to be with her or will you just have used her to like boost your own ego? You know, like you need a frank conversation with yourself. Like as much as you might feel like you're the victim, you're also the problem. And I don't know, if you care about someone, you, you wouldn't want her to go through the kind of emotional turmoil that you're actually putting her through. You know? This is very true. I do agree with you. I didn't know we were doing good cop, bad cop. I feel like I love being bad cop and being, like, the doom and gloom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know. I know. It's all, yeah, 50-50. Um, but, you know, I think you touched on something really important there as well. Um, I think this is a really hard pill to swallow for people. Um, but when you end a relationship, the spell's broken. You know, 
like especially for the other person who's been broken up with like the spell's broken so being like hey let's go back to how things were is just never gonna happen because the spell's actually just broken like that magical moment only lasts when you're together and then once like there's so much resentment there's so much like hurt it's not going to go back to how it was before it's just gonna be like this it's gonna go it's gonna be toxic like it just it will be um unless they're both very emotionally put together people who can like talk about their feelings openly and no one is that no no one no one i just i don't think i think we're all in our 20s maybe 30s we're all a mess like we're still young there's still loads to learn and i don't know i that's so interesting like the spell that sums it up so well because I don't like to make absolute bold claims and be like never and use really strong language. Um, but I do think when it comes to like getting back together with someone, that is such a sticky thing. And like, it's so rare that it works because like you said, the spell's broken. And again, now I'm being taken back to A-level English, man. I don't know why. Thinking about the great Gatsby and just Gatsby wanting to like <laughs> repeat the past. And like when... Nick's like to him, you can't repeat the past. And he's like, well, of course you can. And his whole life has been dedicated to this obsession with Daisy. Like, and he thinks he can reproduce the relationship they had, but you can't because since that moment, everything's changed. You've changed. She's changed. Maybe she's she's not really actually what you want anymore. I know it's only been a few months, but I don't know. Lockdown's been quite transformative. And also the conditions have changed as well. Like, you're probably just romanticising it in your head. And oh my god, I'm going to make another reference. I hate myself. I literally made this in one of the other podcasts. But like, Lord has that song, Supercut. And like, the lyrics are literally like, in my head, I play a supercut of us. And it's like, you know, like a montage of all your best bits. Like, if you start to feel lonely, this happens to people who've even been like, the most toxic of relationships. If they feel alone or they feel vulnerable, you can look back on that. And you can like this is one of the one times where I feel like your brain will emphasize the positive and you start to think about the small things you enjoyed and literally will forget all of the bad stuff and I feel like that's probably what this person is doing because I can't imagine that you broke up with her for no reason but now you're looking back you're romanticizing it you've got those rose-tinted glasses on and it's like honey you didn't break up with her for no reason and if you did then you probably shouldn't be with her and you probably need to sort some other stuff out yeah, I was actually reading this thing that what you said kind of reminded me of. Um, and it was just this article, and I'm I'm not sure it was a study, actually, so I'm not sure how much scientific evidence there is here. <gasps> Yikes. Um, but it was kind of suggesting that in general, like, and this is like a generalization, but in general, um, women are more likely to sort of deal with their emotions quite quickly after something like a breakup. And at first they will sort of be sad about it and mope about it and cry to their friends and immediately sometimes the dude doesn't realize and kind of compartmentalizes it for like many months while the girl is like healing and like getting over it and then in that few months after that's when everything kind of the compartment breaks for the guy and he's like shit what have I done like I need her back whereas the girl's kind of moved on at that point um and I maybe it's not a girl boy thing, maybe it's just like a dumper dumpy thing. Um and I don't know. I think in that at that point you're sort of like reminiscing, you're only remembering the good. You're not actually remembering it for what it was. Your kind of loneliness is feeding down into what you're remembering and you're not remembering it accurately and you just want them back for those good memories. 
and I don't know, you know? Yeah, that's so interesting. And actually, I mean, I mentioned it again, obviously, I do a bit of sociology in my degree. And like, if you think about like heterosexual relationships in our society, I don't want to get too deep. People would be like, Layla, what are you talking about? Shut up. It's not that deep. Um, But if you just think about how men and women are socialised from being a child, I mean, the pretty mainstream male mental health discourse does just talk about how um, young boys are socialised a certain way to... Um, respond to feelings and view their own emotions and like to process things which obviously has psychological impacts like you said um, it's more socially acceptable um, for a, a girl or a female presenting person to be seen like crying over a breakup than it would be a man or a male presenting person and I feel like that is where a lot of these those kind of ideas come from it's it's not an inherent thing but it is just kind of like the norms we set up and I feel like it's it's not always just about gender though like it can be in so many other ways this is so true (laughs) yeah I feel like it perpetuates it it perpetuates so many of these kind of toxic behaviors um and that's kind of crazy and I, I don't know it kind of links as well to this idea that men shouldn't talk about their feelings and men should just be like men and just kind of bottle it all up. And I feel like that the consequence of that is sort of things like this, where they don't deal with things and they don't deal with things when they need to and they do just bottle it up. But I don't know, bottles break, you know? <laughs> um, and... <laughs> I know, so profound. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. And I think as well, something that I think is interesting is that oftentimes in relationships, because people don't often express their feelings and are told to bottle things up and don't talk about things like this with their friends, things like mental health, things like deep emotional, troubling, traumatic things, they do kind of depend on their significant other to be that person, to be that therapist role, to be that emotional confidant. And I feel like that is also kind of troubling because when it ends, they've lost the only person they were able to open up to and talk about these things with. And I just think we should normalise people just doing that with their friends, you know? Like, just, like, opening up. Like, I think it's kind of crazy when I think about, like, some of my male friends and how they just don't talk to their other male friends about their feelings and their emotions. And I'm like, they really should. Because if they did, then they'd put less pressure on relationships. And they'd hurt less when they ended because they weren't putting all their eggs into this, like, emotional basket of being like, you are the only person I trust with my deep, most innest thoughts. It's like, no, just tell your friend. Tell your friend who you've, like, known for 10 plus years, who you trust with, like your video games and like your money and I don't know your friendship it's just trust them with your thoughts like they're not going to do anything bad they're not going to run away and if they do then you need better friends um and when things end you'll hurt less because you will have lost one member of a great team and network of support yes no oh my god there's so much there I feel like I need to just be kind of quick like one thing like in the heterosexual relationship because of like the way people are socialized along like gendered lines from a young age you do get this instance of where 
quite toxic relationships can be produced either of almost like mother child or like as you said like therapist or like therapist client and that's not healthy ever and it doesn't just happen one way it can happen the other way we we shouldn't generalize but oh my god seek help seek a professional because as much as your friends can listen to your trauma like the same thing can happen in friendships like your friend shouldn't be your therapist either you should be able to talk about your feelings with them and be expressive but at the end of the day past a certain level certain things do need like a higher level of help and you're probably not helping your relationship and no friend or person owes that to you I think is another thing and you shouldn't put that weight on a person in that way it's about kind of navigating those boundaries intelligently and I'm trying to think what else you said you said some like hmm like I'm so bad at remembering oh a hundred percent and then we'll listen to it and we'll be like what would we say (laughs) I just think oh yeah like but no the therapist thing that's so true oh and I've got it so the thing you said about losing one person out of many so valuable like I genuinely think when I look at my friends and people I know it's the ones who have like the more solid friendship groups that either aren't constantly seeking out a relationship or if they do have some kind of relationship problem in the romantic realm it doesn't completely destroy them because they have other sources of it whereas if you haven't got someone you can talk to someone you can laugh with someone who'll do things that you like with um in your general life then you you will try and unload that onto your one person who you're in a relationship with and absolutely kill the relationship like someone you're dating does not have to have all the same interests as you does not have to want to do everything you want to do like do you know what I mean they do not have to serve every purpose which is why it's important to have a balance in your life like I know it might seem a bit deep to be like oh people fill roles in your life but I genuinely think that's true and like you will fill a role in someone else's life that you haven't even realized you're filling and like we don't we should never ever think that we're gonna that one person can give us everything because at the end of the day that person can't even give themselves everything so why would you expect that of them yeah 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 i feel like this kind of links back to the whole idea of how society's taught us like what society's taught us relationships are because i feel like as a kid we're taught like your handsome prince is going to come on a horse and he's going to be perfect and it's going to be like amazing and there's going to be fireworks and they're going to be your everything and you're going to talk about them they're gonna they're just gonna be perfect but nothing bad's ever gonna happen like there's never gonna be an argument or a fight i don't know it's just a match made in heaven or something but i don't know like it's just not real life and I feel like real life is messy and it's just I don't know it's just it's just not that and I can't remember what this point was but I feel like I've just gone into this doom and gloom thing where I just sort of resent how we were raised as children (laughs) oh my god (laughs) (laughs) you hate society no here's the thing though positive I'm gonna like guide this towards more of a positive the moment you become aware that you've become a victim to like media tropes and like you think certain things for no apparent reason other than from 
you like watch too many certain shows as a kid like do you know what i mean and so you've internalized that and now you're seeking it out the moment you become a bit self-aware of it you can actually manage it fight against it deal with it and i think like people severely underestimate that and that goes for kind of all issues and or even recognizing your own biases for example like we're all a product of how we've been brought up of things we've seen we all have internalized bias um internal bias towards certain things um but it's the scary part is when you don't realize that like the moment you realize it you can start you start to like call yourself out for it if that makes sense and then once you're aware of it you can actually address it and i think honestly all of this stuff for me it always does come back to self-awareness like becoming more self-aware is just it helps at like every level of everything like a relationship a job like any like literally any aspect of your life there is nothing that being self-aware is like counterproductive to because part of also being self-aware is like just knowing what you like knowing what works for you and like being pretty like chill about it but also seeing your own behaviors and considering like how they impact others like it's not just a selfish thing it's also you know it's like me I sometimes interrupt unintentionally but now that I've become aware of it, I still do it sometimes because it's like an ingrained habit. But like when I do it, I like notice it. So it's like I'm more likely to stop, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I think something interesting as well is sort of self-awareness as I, I agree. It's such an important thing. And I think when like therapy and counselling these things I feel like sometimes they are just sort of, I don't know, expensive and they're just not, I don't know, like the NHS is long and it's very hard to get mental health support, etc. But I feel like the point of these services, like therapy and counselling, like the point of it is self-awareness, I think. I think it is just like a course in self-awareness for people who are not self-aware. And you talk to therapists and you talk to counsellors and they kind of tell you why you're feeling a certain way and you're like have you ever thought it's like the root cause and I think in the meantime while waiting for these things it is often worth trying to improve self-awareness on your own and I think it really is possible and I think I, I don't know exactly how but it is it is something that you can work on yourself you know I'm sure there's a WikiHow article on it. I'm going to I'm going to try and see if I can find one. <laughs> <laughs> I love a bit of WikiHow. I mean, for me, just two things came to mind, and I feel like this isn't a self help episode, and I am not a self help guru. I literally have no qualifications. I can't even like sit right without getting back pain. So you know, take what I say with a pinch of salt. Um, but when it comes to stuff like self awareness, there are some really basic things that I just know from experience mindfulness it's the word we all hate to hear but actually just like I mean, it's kind of just it's appropriated from kind of certain cultural practices but it's just you can have mindfulness by meditation you can do things like mindful eating all all it's about is just like taking you more into your present moment and being aware of like your body and feelings and space as opposed to like being caught up in your head so and like there are a bunch of apps like the classic ones we have like headspace you know which is always, it's always interesting to use an app for these things. 
Um, it's always interesting to use an app for these things, um, but I do feel like on the most basic level, mindfulness is just thinking about like, for example, if you get an urge to eat something or you get an urge to like say something, it's kind of slowing yourself down slightly, seeing the thought. Literally, it's just being mindful. Yeah. It's it's just like thinking. You've wiki howled it. What's it saying? Oh, so it is just being mindful. So mindfulness is just being mindful. It's just like thinking. Oh, I thought it was like, I don't know, every time people would be like, practice mindfulness, I thought it was just like super complex process. And then whenever I'd like go to read up on it, it would literally be like meditate. I'd be like, how? Like, how do I be mindful? Um, but yeah, it's just cool. Oh, in the, I have, I have WikiHowed. I've have wiki how how to be self aware. There are actually very cool. There are four articles. The first article is called Three Ways to Raise Your Self Awareness. Then you've got four ways to be more mentally aware. And you've got five psychology backed ways to stop feeling self conscious and more self aware. And then finally you've got six ways to know your true self. Which I don't know. I just love that like three, four, five, six step. Wow. Um I know. I think <laughs> I don't know. I think just sort of thinking, allowing yourself to think because I feel like sometimes it it can feel hard to think about the deep stuff because it sends you to this like existential nihilistic panic and you're like, "Whoa. What is life?" But I really just think it is worth having those thoughts and not like blocking them out. You know? Because you're going to have them at some point or another and it's better to like have them on purpose. That have them like attack you when you're not ready for them. Yeah. Honestly, giving yourself space to think, I feel like, is another mindful activity. If you literally say to yourself, for five minutes, I'm going to sit and let myself think all these things out, sometimes you literally just need release like that. And it's when, because I don't know if anyone's ever had some sort of breakdown, and I'm not being super dramatic, I just mean like, you know, when you just everything builds up and you just absolutely lose it but actually your reason for losing it makes no objective sense you're just there a bit like I I don't know I just let this thing stew in my brain or I got stressed trying to think about how I was going to do all these things for example that's a common kind of anxious stress deadline one the reality is if you've just given yourself five minutes to sit down maybe even get a bit of paper and like try and write out what you're thinking visually see it or just give yourself five minutes to think it all through it seems a lot less scary. It's when you're just kind of leaving it in your brain uncollected. It's like a mound of trash in your brain, like an, an uncollected waste basket that you're just letting overflow. And then it's just, it's like if you had a bin in your room and you're not, you just keep putting stuff in it and it's now it's overflowing. So it's all over your room. So you can't do anything in your room because you start tripping over trash, don't you? I feel like that's, <laughs> that's quite a good analogy, actually. It's like you're going to your desk to do work, but no, there are the thoughts you are having about this comment your friend made to you and it's just, it won't leave you alone. And it's because you haven't taken the trash out, which is why actually what, one thing I was going to say is journaling like that, not not as a regular commitment. I can't commit to anything. I'm awful. But just when you need it can be a great thing. Just typing it out. I don't know if you're into art, doing that, like just doing something, walking it off. The moment you start accepting your emotions and thoughts and just dealing with them, you start to be a lot more mentally balanced. And it's like, the thing is, it's also about understanding that you're not your thoughts. That's also another thing about mindfulness, like having a thought in your head, because we can a lot of people can have intrusive thoughts. It's not an uncommon thing. 
but also and just accepting your thoughts don't define you either like just acknowledging it but Mm. yeah i think something i've been doing as well is whenever i'm working and i do get these thoughts and i'm like oh no like this and then i'm like oh no i need to worry about this what i've like started doing is just sort of like writing them down on this notepad and i just like I'm working and I'm like, oh yeah, this, and I like write it down and, and I know that I can come back to it later and deal with it after I finish my work. And so like after I finish my work, I've got like a list of like 30 things to deal with or think about. And it's kind of good because there's that mental separation that I will, I will deal with this. And then I actually do, like I'll just finish my work and I'll like go deal with the list. And I feel like it's a good, it's a good balance to have. Because there is, it, there is definitely like a balance in, in the case where, you can overdo it. Like, I think you can overdo self-awareness where you're constantly just analysing everything and you're like, oh my gosh, what is this world? And just not able to get anything done because you're like, what does it all mean? Um, And I don't know. (laughs) Maybe there is a balance of just sort of being like, maybe we'll never know. (laughs) And just writing it on a notepad to think about later and just kind of getting on with the boring life things in the meantime. 100% giving yourself the space to do things because if you just don't give like don't actually give yourself proper space to do all these different things it's just it just all melts together and it's it's absolute chaos I know because I've been there (laughs) and that notepad thing is so good because also it's just what I would call a brain dump um and sometimes you'll have a thought about something and if you just write it out you're like oh my god that is so stupid like <laughs> i don't know what i i no need for me to get stressed about it and it's like a, a relief thing but yeah beyond that i think and this is probably a good point to end on is that self-awareness doesn't mean being self-critical and it doesn't mean doubting everything you do to like a great extent it's more about just trying to get to know how you work and also acknowledging how you affect other people and also i think just clarifying what works for you and what doesn't like it's not about having crippling self-doubt and never and literally hating yourself because you you're worried everything you might do might hurt someone or something like that it's more about just kind of finding a balance that works or for example if you notice that like certain things repeatedly upset you then in the future you can avoid your putting yourself in those kind of situations or if it's like you if it came to dating and you were in a really bad relationship, someone who's self-aware or kind of trying to build self-awareness will look at it and think about it and then they'll use that in their future decisions. I think it's just about like learning and seeing how you respond to things and just accepting it. It's not always about changing you because I think there are certain parts of ourselves we can't change and there is a bit of a thing I was looking at is that self-help things can be toxic and this idea of constantly needing self-improve because it literally just says, well, right now you're trash, you need to change. But no, there are good things about you right now and you should, and a lot, the way you feel is valid and you should do what you want to do. You don't need to fulfil someone else's goals, you know? Yeah, I think, I don't know, if as a as ending as well, it's like, we're 20, 21, tw- early 20s, late 20s, early, th- like, we are so young. I feel like we've got... We have not even met, like, a quarter of the people we're going to meet in our whole lives. Like, there are so many people we've got left to meet. There are so many experiences we've got left to have. Like, it is not the end of the world. None of this is the end of the world. It's just sort of, like, we've got time. We've 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 got loads of time. 
this is our time to make mistakes and to grow and to learn and to love ourselves and to build our self-esteem and our self-awareness and you know maybe we'll all find someone and maybe we won't but it's all gonna be fine you know like I feel like sometimes where we put too much pressure on the idea of romance to fill a void in our lives but I think there is a way of being happy alone and I think everyone needs to just work on finding that and if they bump into a person they want to spend their lives with along the way then fab go do that but I think working towards the version of your life where you are alone and happy is what we should all be doing until then you know I could not agree more that's like such a nice way to put it as well because I think we forget how young we are because we have this pressure I mean I know you're a medic but um there is this tendency it's like degree work go and like be adult adult have relationship um marriage is thing like do I do marriage maybe haha dying institution we'll see you know (laughs) like these kind of like robotic tendencies as much as the world is a lot less like linear than it was like I feel like paths in the past were a lot more obvious and self-evident whereas things are a lot more complex now but we are so young there is so much to learn there is so much to see the like you in 10 years will probably look at your boyfriend right now and be like oh my god like if I stayed with him I could not be with him right now like that's crazy so yeah stop putting all your weight on the idea of one person for you broaden it find more friends do activities like start crocheting do like I keep I always say that like but just anything I feel like that's the beauty of this lockdown I said it last week as well it's just time for you to just find weird stuff you used to like like what did you like as a kid that you stopped liking now because you were embarrassed because you felt like it was cringy like just do it like make the most of it and yeah I feel like that's where we should end because we've spoken about so much my head hurts I need to eat um yeah um column is out this week weekly column you know we hope you've all enjoyed listening to this and there's going to be a new theme soon which hasn't been decided but in the meantime keep submitting your problems i know you've got a lot of them i guess that's all for now um read the column Mm -hmm. send in questions and listen to the podcast if you haven't listened to other episodes yeah yeah